Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Do You Say Anime, I am your host Peter, and on today's episode I'm going to be flying solo and giving my first impressions on the currently airing 2022 winter season. I'm going to be doing the shows that do not have sequels, because if you're not watching Attack on Titan or Demon Slayer by now, I highly doubt my podcast is going to convince you otherwise. So on today's episode, we're going to be uh, doing my first impressions on about 12 or so shows, along with the shows that I dropped and just want to say thank you to everybody who participated in voting for anime of the year which will be debuting in two weeks from today that's gonna be valentine's day february 14th so thanks to everybody it's my favorite episode of the year got a lot of good turnouts and a lot of good votes so looking forward to see what you guys thought were the best shows from 2021 and then my personal thoughts on my favorite shows so thanks again but we are here to talk about 2022 and the winter season so let's get right into it our first show that we're going to be talking about is kind of popping off really in terms of like Twitter and Reddit and all those all those social media sites where I think a lot of people didn't see the show coming as big of a success as it's showing out to be right now. And that's my dress up, darling. I'm having a whole lot of fun with this show. It's about two, two people, you know, it's the stereotypical shy boy, non-quiet or the quiet guy and then the really ganky popular girl who meet by fate. That they share kind of similar passions. Uh, the girl Marin is a huge cosplayer, or trying to get into cosplay, but um, a real like otaku that style of um, like entertainment and her her passions. While the main character uh, Gojo is a Hina doll maker, which is like a class or historical Japanese type of doll. They run into fate while he is working on. Hina dolls in the classroom or like the home ec classroom and uh, Marin asked Gojo to make some of the dresses for her cosplay that she wants and it kind of starts like their friendship from there and I'll be honest Cloverworks has been knocking it out of the park the last couple of years in terms of their animation the only problem with them is their sequels but as of right now this is just season one so we're having a really good time with um my dress up darling genres romance slice of life we get a lot of slice of life and honestly just marin is just carrying the show right now what a, a fantastic female lead uh it's been a long time since i've seen a female lead like this kind of take over um a specific season especially when we have like usui from demon slayer and aaron from attack on titan seeing marin in the conversations of like best characters of the season is honestly a delight to see because she's just been absolutely killing it. I'm a huge fan of just seeing where it's going with her and Gojo's relationship. And Gojo, you're kind of seeing him break out of a shell from the shy character, whether it's like a Hachiman-esque uh, shy character or who doesn't speak a lot, but when he, when he talks, like you listen type of character. Before he was like the shy and now he's, he, he kind of has a voice and it's getting to the point where he's breaking out of a shell and it's really nice to see is it a common trope? Absolutely, but when it's handled right, I'm having it's like a really good time, and that's what we're seeing with my dress up, darling. Just a fantastic slice of life, and then what seems like it's probably going to turn into a romance. The cons of it: there are some, you know, sexual themes in it. With in terms of cosplaying, at least from my personal experience with female cosplayers, they're very comfortable with their body, and you kind of see that with Marin, whether. Like, to me, it doesn't take away from the show. It's just, to be honest, I don't really like to see half-naked teenage girls on my screen, regardless if it's anime or not. And that's kind of, like, the same thing. However, I'm not going to, like, deduct points from it, because to me, it kind of makes sense in the context of the show, where uh, episode, was it three, or two or three, where Marn has to get her measurements for the dress that she's going to wear, and then she comes over and takes off her clothes, and she's in, like, her bathing suit to, you know, not be super sexual but still kind of is there's definitely some provocative scenes where it's supposed to titillate you which is honestly it's not that bad of a it's honestly not terrible it's just something that it's not like my personal favorite but i'm not going to knock it for what it is because there's so many good things about the show that i thoroughly enjoy uh the, the animation itself has just been a delight there's been some fantastic scenes and just the the chemistry between the two main characters on screen is just a blast when you write fun characters with each other and they shared opposite dynamics and make it work. It's honestly a really good time. How we normally do this in terms of our first impressions, it's like must watch, consider it if you like this, and then avoid. To me, I think um, <clears throat> just in general, I think this is a must watch for anybody who's a fan of romance and just like a really fun dynamic. 
I'm having a really good time watching this and I, like Marin's probably gonna be like in the best girl category. You're gonna see her name thrown around a lot. You're gonna see Cloverworks in general be thrown around a lot in terms of the animation, but I mean, for a show that's like this, you don't really need the animation to be mind blowing, kind of like what Comey was. But with this, we're getting it as well. So it's honestly like a really good time watching it. I'm putting, I'm personally putting for my rom-com fans, my slice of life fans, and just people who are just like a really good dynamic between two main characters. I'm putting the, uh, my dress up drawing in the must watch category. And I highly recommend it to almost every single person. Uh, next up, we have our first fantasy of the season. We got a lot, and I'm going to be talking about a few. Uh, this is the Genius Prince's Guide to Raising a Nation Out of Debt. This show, to me, is like Realist Hero times two. You know, it, we already have that show in the works, and it's already being made, and the second season is also currently airing alongside of it. And so far through, I think, three episodes, I think I like this better than Realist Hero. I thought the dynamic of the character where he's like kind of like too smart for his own good, where he's trying to purposely, in some cases he's trying to purposely lose and then he just wins and kind of spirals out of control. But you see from his past that he kind of had this, um, what's it called? You know, like when you're like an up and coming, oh my God, why am I blanking on that word? Uh, profit's like the wrong word to use, but like... <laughs> He, he has, like, you see at, like, a younger age where he was, on like, training at the military academy that he was this up-and-coming, like, general or leader of a country and stuff like that. Like, he's that type of person. And he, he you're seeing it now after his, I think it was his father got ill. He's not dead, but, like, he kind of has to take over for his dad. And you see that. And it's honestly a really good um, fantasy-style show of that. Uh, we have some... You know, uh, was it Nin Ninium is like his uh, person, like his his uh, what's it called? Oh my god, why am I blanking on it? It's just like he's like his teammate, whatever. It's like his partner in crime. Partner in crime. That's what I'm looking for. Jeez, man, words are hard sometimes. But uh, she's like his partner in crime, left hand woman, and they're just trying to figure out where they are now, making deals with other countries, possible marriage proposals for political reasons. And it's that style of like realist hero that we saw before where it's fantasy. It's pretty funny at times and just overall like a decent cast. I am afraid it's going to go down the route of realist hero where it turns into a harem and takes away from the fantasy element of running a kingdom that I th think what realist hero is kind of lacking in and it's shifting the tone to more of like a male power fantasy where this one so far is not that male power fantasy like a realist hero is. And I hope it continues that way. I'm having a good time watching it. If you're a fan of the fantasy style uh, silliness that we see in a lot of isekais with a little bit better production, this one, I, I think this one's like a considerate. Like, I, I don't think it's bad in any way, but it's really hard to find something that like really sticks out in the first couple episodes. I'm not saying it, it definitely has the potential to do something more later in the episodes but for right now i think it's off to a solid start i'll keep watching it's nowhere near uh drop territory but if if you're like i said if you're a fan of that fancy style like i would definitely check into the genius princess guide to raising a nation out of debt next up ooh, this one's been very interesting so far uh sub sabi sabi bisco i just call it bisco because i keep slaughtering the first word it is a uh, action-adventure fantasy sci-fi kind of to me it seems like a shonen doro hetero so far but we'll see where it goes from there it is post-apocalyptic japan where we have a archer named bisco who um let's see what he's doing he's kind of like he's kind of like a criminal but in the same way he's like trying to do good and he's trying to like spread the the mushrooms that he can make with his arrows to like enrich the land from like Japan's previous state where now it's like post-apocalyptic and it's kind of barren. And however, it has like some, he has some like negative connotations about him where he's like sought after as like a terrorist. He meets up with a character named Milo who is a doctor and they kind of right now are starting an adventure. I'm through two episodes. Episode four just came out today. I was unable to watch it before recording this episode. 
but if you're a fan of like I, I'm I'm literally dubbing it as Doro Hadro Light through the episodes I've seen. It could be completely different and I could just be completely wrong and you'd be like, yo, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. And you might be right, but I'm just basing it so far of what I have right now. If you if you enjoy that style of like kind of outlandish powers of creating these giant mushrooms from nothing with like these arrows and kind of have that turmoil in the city where it's like the government seems like it's a little too powerful and but like the people are afraid to fight back kind of like an akudama drive-esque type of style where like it's a little bit military enforced i kind of got that vibes from it um like you must comply or you will be like removed type of thing that's kind of the vibe i'm getting so far through it visco kind of just been introduced however he does ride a giant crab which is super dope. So anytime that there are giant crabs involved in shows, big fan. Um, it's my waifu of the years so far is a giant crab bay. Love giant crab bay. Milo, kind of an interesting dynamic character with his ties to being a doctor. Yeah, it's like a permanent black eye. So he's known as the panda doctor. Thought that was just like a little funny thing, which is why I feel like it's a little bit more shonen-esque where we can laugh about something like that. That's a little sillier. Not as like deep and darker than like Doro Hatero was, or like something like No Guns Life, where we have these dark undertone themes. This one just seems pretty straightforward in terms of what he's trying to do and who's like the antagonist. Whether Bisco's good or bad, we'll find out later on. To me, it's, he's probably a good guy, just trying to, or maybe like an anti-hero of some sort. Um, if you're a fan of like that that post-apocalyptic adventure style of show, I think Bisco's been a really good like addition to that genre the op slaps really good op we'll give it props to that uh yeah i'm gonna put it in that consider if you're a fan of like doro hatero if you're a fan of no guns life uh desert punk trigun stuff like that i think this is gonna be more in your territory i don't think it's gonna match up to some of those but however it's been a pretty solid show so far and it's nowhere near drop territory and i think it would be an enjoyable watch for most people after Bisco, we have now this show. This show saucy because I think I'm in the minority on this. It's called Love of Kill, and it's about uh, two assassins on like kind of opposite ends. We kind of find out a little bit more that that might not necessarily be the case, where the male assassin is heavily pursuing the female assassin. She's not really into it. It's a Violet Evergarden kind of never met the major, and she picked up a pistol. And it was set in like, I don't know, 2018. That's kind of the vibes I'm getting with it. I'm having a really good time with the female lead. Um, uh, her name is Chateau Dankworth. So that name alone, just instant credibility. I do enjoy the kind of characteristics that she resembles uh, Violet from Violet Evergarden. So little uh, little bias there since it's my favorite anime of all time. So uh, <laughs> I will say that for sure. The male lead is very pushy, very overbearing, very controllative. And it's like, that's why it's like kind of hit and miss. Some, this is definitely targeted to females. I'm not going to lie. There are a lot of girls who like that style of man. There are a lot of females who do not like that style of man. Actually, there's a lot of men who prefer that style of man and not. But that being said, it's like, can you, do you like that like style of, man pursuing woman in your romance or do you prefer like it's timid because these they are they are adults the, ma they, the male characters are both assassins i don't know if that ties into anything and how their characteristics are but we kind of get that vibe where you know cold-blooded take what's mine type of thing and you kind of see that with um the main character really pursuing chateau to me i'm loving it i really enjoy this show I love the dynamic. This is a very unique show. I don't really know anything. It, it's not like Mrs. and Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Smith style of like assassins where they fall in love or like spy family. This is uh, a little bit more different because they are like active assassins, actively killing people, actively in missions while still, you know, figuring out this dynamic, this relationship that the two have. And we really don't know where that's going yet. I think it's through three episodes, and I'm gonna be honest, it's one of my most looked forward to shows. I'm a big fan of adult-centered romance, even if it is outlandish and as silly as a concept as this is. I'm I'm like really heavily gravitating towards this style of show, and Love of Kill 
is definitely doing that. I, I'm gonna put it in like the considerate if you're a fan of romance, especially if you're looking for something that's not in school. Um, you know, it, it's, I'm still wishing that we had more like adult romance themes based off like normal uh, situations. However, whatever, I, we got two assassins like literally fighting for love. I, well, one guy's fighting for love. The other, Violet's character, Chateau, is more of in like a limbo state where she, it, it kind of seems like she's kind of had like a shitty life, doesn't really want to connect with people in general, and she's just doing this for like a job. So we'll see where it goes. I, I think it's two cores. Nope, just kidding. It's one. Um, but I, I'm a fan. I'm looking forward to it more more and more each week that we get more content i i just thoroughly enjoy it and if you're a fan of that style i would recommend it if you don't like romance if you especially if you don't like female targeted romance this is a jose um so it's a little bit more than a shoujo um but i don't know there has some really cool action elements as well and i just i really enjoyed the dialogue between the cast so far so i'm recommending it but however in terms of the overall general i'm gonna put this in like a considerate if this is your style of show this show to me, a Kibi Sailor uniform, I fucking love it. I love this show so much. This is my slice of life shit that I just eat up nonstop. I th am thoroughly enjoying a Kibi Sailor uniform. Very Comey-esque, except for the main character can talk. Uh, the story is based around the character Akibi, where she gets admitted into her mom's uh, like private uh, middle school that she was in, and she's just grown attached to the pictures of her mom as a, in a sailor uniform. That was like the school uniform back then. She gets entered into the academy and then finds out that they no longer have that. But the, the academy is like, well, you had it made so you can do it. And it starts her adventure there. She's there to make friends. She lives in the countryside. She really only has like her sister, it seems like, in terms of friends. They showed like the background where she's like an only student in like her entire class. So this is really her of her being able to break out of the mold of where she's kind of been like holding it in. Uh, in terms of wanting to do more and now she can and she's taking full advantage of it i love these style of stories to me it's just a wonderful um style and theme of that like adolescence becoming who you are finding people who will accept you for who you are and then creating the relationships from there and akibi is definitely doing that um cloverworks again they did they're doing um my dress up darling they're also doing this very the animations and the directions are wonderful. I will say the faces of this show are a little off-putting. They're drawn in a style I really haven't seen. It's not off-putting, but I did see some people mention comments about like the faces of the characters, and I absolutely agree. It's just a little out of the norm of what we'd normally see in anime. However, there are a whole bunch of different scenes where the, the background art is just beautifully crafted and the motion of Akibi either like running doing jumps and flips and stuff that we see in that is just so beautifully animated and directed that I think the show is getting a lot of praise for that um people were complaining about like sexual themes in the show I really I haven't seen it and people calling it like Yuri bait and I don't I don't see that at all I think it's weird that like girls just being friends is Yuri baiting especially when they're not really put in sexual positions because this is not citrus this is not um, other like Yuri or Yuri style being shows I've seen in the past. I find this to be very wholesome, uh, very silly. So I think silly is like a really good word to put it where there's a scene. I'm sure if you follow Twitter or seen clips and stuff like that, episode one with the girl clipping her toenails. I thought that scene was funny. Some people were like really off put by it. Apparently people hate feet more than I thought. And I'm finding it out now. I thought the scene was hilarious. If you watch the show and you've seen it, you'll you'll pick a side whether you think it's like creepy and gross or funny like I did because I just thought the whole scene was just trying to make make it so somebody having an awkward situation making it less awkward for that person. And I found that to be really heartwarming for Akibi to show that's that personality from her. And she even though she's meeting somebody for like a first time where they she doesn't want to put somebody in a bad situation just because of who they are or what they're doing and i thought that was just like a really fun aspect of the show i'm i putting a kibi in like must watch i love it however i'm a man of the people i'm the voice of the people and i think this is going to be a considerate if you're a slice of life fan i think you're really going to enjoy i shouldn't say if, not all slice of life fans are going to enjoy this 
it's only kind of i think it's actually gonna be kind of hit and miss for slice of life fans just based off of some of the th- i don't know I, th- I don't know if like people are too like attached to comey where like if you're trying to find friends if it's not comey it's bad where i'm finding akibi i think she's a better character than comey because i mean i love comey can't communicate but comey as a character is just she's fine it's more of like the cast itself where akibi is like it's her she's the character she's driving the plot she's driving the story and i think that's where i resonate more kind of in this show we'll see how it ends because you never know it could just be like a bore fest the rest of the show we'll see later on but so far really wholesome good uh good solid uh slice of life elements that i look for in these silas shows beautiful animation cloverworks is knocking out of the park this season and honestly just just a good time i'm really enjoying akibi i'm gonna put in the considerate bracket for the public but if you if you're like my style of um if you like my style of shows and my takes and stuff like that i think this is a must watch i think that if this was in last year it'd probably be a pretty good contender for like slice of life of the year and we're probably gonna see it in the awards later 2022 i got my mind in the anime of the year if you can't tell but yeah i'm really thoroughly enjoying a kiwi sailor uniform show i started today next up um we went from yuri bang to i believe actual yaoi i i haven't gotten to the point where that's actually like confirmed or set in stone however the genres are set as boy love so this is uh uh sasaki to miyano it is a very, very wholesome boys' love so far. It's only it's been a minute since I've gotten into a boys' love. I watched Given, and I thought Given was good. I, what I really dislike about Yaoi and Yuri in general, that's the trope I have that I really dislike is when they make everybody gay. I think like the beauty of boys' love or girl love is the uniqueness of that type of romance because it's like I don't know, was it like one in ten? It's like something like that. And when you make every character that statistic, it kind of put off for me. Where in this, it seems like these two are the only ones that are, I think are gay. Maybe there's, there's possibly a third. I'm only two episodes through. And I really like that dynamic where it's them kind of figuring out themselves together where they have similar tropes. Or sorry, so that's similar tropes. Uh, similar, um, like, uh, hobbies and what they look for, especially in manga, like, uh, the main tall guy, Sasaki, who asked for like manga recommendations, is kind of interested in boys' love. And I don't think they're at the point to know what that means, essentially. And it's kind of fun to see it develop. I think Miano, the more shy, quiet, uh, reserved character, I think he has a be- little bit understanding of who he is. And I think he... It's like a really fun dynamic to seeing him having like a crush for the first time where before it was all like a fantasy reading it in manga, reading it in these type of stories where, yeah, the main character falls in love, but that's not me. Like that's not going to happen to me. And then having that character show up who you find like attractive. And it's also into similar hobbies as you are. And you're like, Oh, uh, doki doki, my heartbeat. Like this might be something more than just a friendship. Like what is this feeling inside my soul? It goes electric baby when I'm in my zone. And that, that's kind of like where they're at and it's the development of figuring out each other so far really enjoying this show only two episodes in because i literally started today um just been backlogged and stuff of um consuming content so i believe there are four episodes out at least three three or four and honestly just a great time watching this i think it's probably going to be one of the best romances of the year it's just it's been a delight i'm liking it more through the first couple episodes, I'm liking it more than I liked Given. So if you're a fan of Given, I think that you're going to thoroughly enjoy this. If you're a fan of, like, Boys Love or Girl Love, I think this is going to be right in your wheelhouse. And if you're not a fan of Boys Love, I would say recommend, I'd recommend this and give it a shot. And maybe you can find different themes that they're doing in romance that we don't see in, like, traditional. Like, the literally coming of age of who you are as a person whether it defines you as a person or not, because that can define a lot of people. I think it's just like a thoroughly enjoyable show so far. So I'm putting this, it's like borderline considerate must watch. Um, it's probably one of like the top three or four shows of the season for me. 
I'm a, I'm a personally put it in must watch. I think it should be in the considerate category for most romance people. It's a must watch if you're a fan of boys love in general. So if you are, yeah, if you're a fan of boys love, and you're not watching this. You need to. It's a good good ass time. Sasaki and Miyano. Now, not everything can be good. <laughs> no, they cannot be. I'm going to talk about some of the shows that I've dropped so far. I usually do my best to do the three episode rule. However, as I get older and I have more responsibilities and with just like work and life, I can't always necessarily dedicate three episodes of a show. And I really need the first episode to do what it needs to do right away so I get hooked. So these shows I dropped, I want to say they're not necessarily bad, but to me they weren't they weren't hooked, they weren't hooking me after one or two episodes. So I'm gonna go through some of them. I think I dropped four and just give you my thoughts. The first one is called Requiem of the Rose King, which seems to be a playoff of Richard the Third, the Shakespeare play. I was really looking forward to this just because the manga is rated pretty high. I've seen some of the manga panels as well, and the art looks really solid. It's something that I could definitely feel like I could dive into and really grasp what it's doing. However, the anime just wasn't it. I I just, I don't know what it was. It just looked flat. It looked boring. And as a visual medium trying to get that presence, I just couldn't, I really couldn't find like something to gravitate towards. I think the story itself is all I, I think the story itself is good and the fact that it's getting two cores says a lot about the actual storytelling i do think that they're going to be able to flesh out a lot more than before however this is just like a prime example of what i saw you need to read the manga if you like the story for this just the the manga panels looked really good the anime just fell flat and i just couldn't connect to like the character i really couldn't yeah like richard the main character i just i couldn't get a grasp i couldn't get a feeling of it i watched two episodes i was like i it's not me. Like, I just, I don't know what it is. I, I couldn't find like the theme. I couldn't really grasp to and stuff like that. I wish it could be a little bit better. And I would recommend if this is like your style of show, I would say check out the manga. And yeah, I mean, I, I really wish it was better than what it was just because JC staff is a pretty solid studio. Sometimes there, that I say that I realize that they're a pretty hit and miss studio. It's like when they hit, they hit, but when they miss, they miss. And I think they just missed on this one. It's just not, it just doesn't seem like a good adaptation. And based off of its mouse score, it's at a 5.77 for the anime. And the manga itself is at an 8.12. So, I mean, that's like Promised Neverland Season 2 levels, if that says anything. I don't think it's as bad as like the PowerPoint presentation we got in Promised Neverland. However, it's just a show that I just can't connect with. And I dropped it. And if I hear good things later down the road, it's a shoujo. I'm a huge fan of that, that style of storytelling i would probably read the manga because i think it just ended so yeah uh requiem of the rose king next one is doll's frontline which is a mobile gacha game this show i don't even think it's bad it does exactly what it set out to do it's waifus with guns shooting stuff do i need 12 episodes of it i do not that's essentially what it came down to i don't need 12 episodes of this i watched the first episode i was like i got it that's enough. Dropped it. Um, you're a big fan of waifus and guns. Uh, check out God, Doll's Frontline or Girls Frontline. It to me, it's just not my style of show. Didn't really get get like too into it. Yeah, to me, it's just it's just a drop from there. Uh, next one is Futsal Boys. It is a take on the the game Futsal, which is like five on five soccer and like a smaller arena i saw the pv i thought it was going to be like shaolin soccer if you've ever seen that movie from like the 90s like where or kuriko's no basket really over the top animation in terms of the sport that they're playing however it was just pretty boys kicking some balls trying to be badasses to some like adolescent kids who were getting bullied at least that was the first episode and i was like this is bad like it's just so cliche the drama is so forced i just wish they played the sport and had a good story with it it's why i gravitate so much to like haiku it's just a story about volleyball but they built the story like i don't know they built like a cast and a story around the sport whether i don't know you you know if you know me by now you know how i feel about haiku i fucking love it but like futsal boys 
just had like a the main characters it just looked like a boys idol group playing futsal and they weren't singing they were just kicking some balls around the actual like game that they played in episode one was super boring where they're playing like two random delinquents picking on some kids for no reason they're like hey you want to fight nah let's play futsal it's like okay like it's just so like cliche anime like let's solve our problems on the court it's like nah that's not what you do and that's kind of like what it was it was just so tropey so cliche really couldn't get into it and to me that's just like one reason why i was just like whatever drop like i'm sh i highly doubt it's going to be anything special 5.43 on mal it's a gotcha game there or i don't even know if it's a gotcha game i think it's just like a mobile game where they, they made the anime to promote the game and we know it i know it and i i don't know it's just a really bad sports anime and i wish they could do something more with it i wish they made it like the shaolin soccer like the pv kind of had it as but they didn't it was just just pretty boys kicking some balls and i wish they just kicked each other in the balls and i probably would have laughed and had a much better time but you know what it is what it is that's futsal boys and the last one is probably one of the worst isekais i've seen Actually, I think it's a fantasy. Let me check if it's... A, it's just labeled as fantasy. Wow, it's JC Staff. JC Staff 0 for 2 on the season. Uh, that's the strongest sage with the weakest crest. Uh, cookie cutter bullshit in terms of fantasy. Uh, you know, he's the super strong boy. He comes into town. Better take the test for the academy. Oh, the pretty blonde girl likes me. It's just like... All that in like one episode. It's like... They establish like nothing. And... It's just like, if you are literally the strongest person in the world, why are you going to school? Like, why don't you just go be a baller? And I just, it was like Wise Man's Grandchild. Um, If you guys remember that from like, that two years ago? Three, I think maybe technically three years ago. Wise Man's Grandchild, where, you know, this kid is just the strongest person by a landslide. And it's like, yeah, I'm gonna go to middle school and have some friends. It's like... Yo, you can still do that and be like a dope ass person. This dude's obviously like an, the main character is like an adventurer. You see it in the past where like he's been traveling and stuff like that. He doesn't need to go to an academy. I think after episode one, he like teaches a class. Like he becomes a professor after episode one. It's like, why do I care? Like nothing is established. It's like, I don't know. I have a really hard time with like these fan, these just cookie cutter isekai fantasy bullshit or overpower. It's just like, overpowered male character power fantasy big titty blonde girl loves me because i powered her sword up and she's just like oh i no one's ever been nice to me before in my entire life let me suck your dick it's just like really nobody in your entire life has been nice to you nobody in your life has ever done anything for you but this guy powers up your sword and is like oh cream it's like oh it's just so it's just like I talk about forced drama a lot. This is just like forced romance where it's just like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. He's the most, he's the male character. You must like him all the time because he's so strong. It's just like the dude does nothing for me. I don't know. I dropped it pretty quick. 6.46. I'm actually honestly surprised on Mallet's that high because I think the show itself was pretty hot dog water. So, yeah, uh, the strongest sage with the weakest crest was dropped after after. So. Those are the shows I dropped. Let's get back to the shows that I'm still continuing watching and having a good time. And that is The World of Lee Dale. If you watched I've Been Killing Slime for 300 Years last year, this is very that-esque. It's that mixed with Mars or Mother's Rosario from SAL, where main character, I think, is on like life support, and she dies. And then when she wakes up, she's in the game that she played 200 years in the future and kind of picking up from where her character was prior to her like logging off so she missed a lot of events that happened in the world and it's a very slice of lifey fantasy where in slime it was more of like she didn't want to be an adventurer she just wanted to live like a quiet life in the countryhood uh this is more of the main character, uh, Kana, I think that's how you say her name. It's like Sena or Kana. Her kind of like being able to adventure in the world because she was sick in real life. 
and that style of slice of life adventure and fantasy you find out later like some other like um slice of life elements with her and like a family inside the game and just the relationship she makes uh it's also like really randomly like bloody and gory when their fights happening like she is like super powerful <clears throat> i think she's like labeled as like one of like the 13 like sages or gods or whatever in their world that they had and she she kind of just like she kind of knows like that's the case and she's just like i'm gonna go venture the world like i'm just gonna go see what's out there because her character in quotation marks has been like stuck in like a, to a tomb for like 200 years and so she just wants to get out and do stuff so it's that style of slice of life fantasy no real threat because of just how powerful she is so if you're looking for like an adventure style of like fantasy, I don't think this is it. If you're looking something like some aspects of like reincarnated as a slime without like the world building, I've been killing slime for 300 years. Just her going out, doing adventures and doing whatever. That's like what this is. And to me, I think it's in the considerate category if that's like your style i have it at like a six or a seven right now it's okay it's really not blowing my mind in any aspects and if people dropped it like i get it it's just has those slice of life elements that i look for in a style of show and it reminds me of a lot of killing science for three years which was a show i thoroughly enjoyed from last year and the main character herself is fun um she gets drunk a couple times which is funny because she never got drunk in real life so she doesn't know how to handle it and just seeing like those aspects is th that style of like slice of life and fun to me is like really well done. It's something that I thoroughly enjoy and seeing, and I would recommend it to my slice of life fans, and would not recommend it to anybody else. It's not like it's not like Two Year Eternity where there's like a really story driven element behind the fantasy. Not that at all. It's just a really powerful girl going out and doing stuff. So if you like that, check it out. Um, the World of Leedale. Uh, next one, another slice of life. As you can see, the season is really filled with slice of life. It's called Slow Loop. Thought this was, it's just based off the pictures. The girls are very, very lolly like. And I th was thinking that it was going to be like, I'm trying to think of like an example. That cheerleading anime that I don't think anybody watched. I thought it was going to be like that. Where the story's about like fishing. I thought it was going to be like, they're going to take like one activity put cute girls in it and then then like that's the that's the story where like the cheerleading anime was hot dog water it was so bad slow loop on the other hand has been a delight i did not see this coming um and they're handling some themes really well in a story that i didn't see coming at all so the main character dad dies three years pass um, her mom remarries and she meets um, Oharu, who is the other very lively girl and now like her stepsister. And I, I, it's a pretty common trope theme that you see in anime. But they take like themes like her like realizing her, like she's the main character, Hayori. Used to go like fishing with her dad. That's why she loves fishing so much. She grew she grew to it. Her dad passes away, and now she kind of like remembers her dad through fishing and some of like outdoor activities. And I thought that was handled like really well, considering like myself who has lost a parent. I thought like the grief aspect in a silent show like this was handled extremely well, and I didn't see that coming. A lot of times they just like gloss over the fact that um like their parents have passed away or something like that it's not like fruits basket where that is like the theme of toru's character it's more but it's like less than just like brushing it off to drive the narrative it was like really well done grief in a slice of life style of show where it, it's still remembering the people for who they were while still doing the activities that you like grew up doing with each other and to me that was just like outstanding and koharu um very rin and nadeshko like from you can't polar opposites yori more um quiet more self like um inside 
keeping the feelings and stuff like that where Koharu is anything that's on her mind she speaks it and that dynamic of opposites of tract is doing really wonder really great wonders of this show and honestly i i i just didn't expect it to be as good as i thought it was i thought this was going to be like a five or a six it would fill my slice of life itch i would move on um i was kind of getting like like let's make a mug vibes where it's like oh it's mugs but with fishing like whatever maybe i'll watch it maybe i'll drop it and it ended up being like really good like super cub style of slice of life where i am just drawn into the passion of their hobbies that they are doing along with actually having like a narrative and story to go along with it it's not just about fishing uh episode three they go camping and they see um hiori sees the stars because they're not in tokyo anymore for the first time since her dad passed and it reminded her of um you know spending time with her dad fishing and camping and stuff like that and it hits her and she doesn't know how to handle it because it was one of those things that she never saw coming because it's never happened to her before. And that happened to me. And I thought that was like super, so well portrayed to the point where I started crying because it made me remind me of my dad. And I was just like, wow, like what an incredible moment. And I don't think everybody's going to like grasp that because it's like a very specific thing. But just like, if you can take it from my perspective, I thought this was handled incredible. I, I, I absolutely love this show. I adore this show. It's, I, I don't want the, the lolly theme to under, like to, to underline what this show actually does because it's about not just fishing, but it's about grief and moving on with your life and accepting people into your life, whether it's through, in this case, it's kind of forced because she's still in middle school and her mom remarried and sort of having like this forced uh, step sibling but like accepting people based off of the circumstances in your life and i mean you know how big i am about berserk obviously where berserk has those themes as well about moving on struggling doing the best out of the situation that you can and this is a very slice of i'm not comparing berserk to slow loop in any way but it has those themes that i really gravitate towards in stories it's why i love violet evergarden it's why i love a place further than the universe it's stories like that where they drive me and make me fall in love with the stories that they're telling. And that's what Slow Loop does for me. To me, it's an absolute must watch. I love this show. It's not going to resonate for everybody, but I think that the themes that they're telling in the style that they're telling it is wonderful. It's fantastic. It's one of the best sites of lives I've seen in the last like couple of years. I don't, it's not as good as laid back camp, but I would put it in like super cub level. Like I think it's that good. I, I absolutely adore Slow Loop, and yeah, that's my high recommendations for Slow Loop. Um, we're moving on from girls doing that type of stuff to, um, or I should say, like, adolescent girls fishing to adult women being police women. Ah, uh, that's police in a pod. It is a story that I can't believe on Mallet has a 6.8. This show is so fucking good. It is about two police, two female police officers kind of like dealing with the struggles of being a police officer along with being a female. Um, they have like sexist themes where they're kind of like shown where like, oh, you're a female police officer. Can you go get your male counterpart type of thing? And just how it's handled, it's kind of just like, yeah, you know what? Being a woman in this type of situation is probably fucking bullshit a lot of times, the people that you have to deal with. And they do it in a, in a tone where I can laugh along with it, but also understand like what the story they're trying to tell. The mangaka of the story was a police officer. She was a police officer for 10 years prior to writing this. So I think it's just like her struggles of being a police officer in Japan and just kind of like the stories that she told. Um, really interesting to see the dynamics between being a police officer in uh, Japan compared to the United States there was an episode I'm not gonna spoil it too much but um just kind of like the the social responsibilities that they have to deal with as well and uh, um in terms of like kind of being like a, a Swiss army knife not just like in a, a upholding the law type of thing where they have like situations where they are called to a house where a older person like passes away type of thing 
and like in America, you don't call the cops when somebody passes away. And just seeing like that dynamic of Japan's cop style, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's kind of like how it's displayed. And I'm gonna take the like the manga because like, you know, she was a cop for ten years, so I'm gonna like kind of assume that it's written from her perspective a little bit. I also thoroughly enjoy the characters. We have a main character girl number one whose name is Mai, who kind of just like got into being a police officer, and she doesn't really. I don't think she like views it as like her dream job and it's kind of just doing it for a paycheck, which I can absolutely relate for, like relate to. Like I did sales right out of college. Did I want to do sales the rest of my life? Hell no, but it was a paycheck. So I did it and I kind of relate with my, and then we have her uh, counterpart, uh, Fuji, who kind of seems like this is like the path that she wanted to take all of her life and is like a great like um, senpai to, my who's like the Kohai relationship that they have and just their dynamic of being cops in <laughs> in Japan because they deal with like there's like an episode where they have to deal with like internal affairs there's uh, episodes where they have to deal with like detectives while they are just like kind of like the standard um cop in Japan I think they call it like the police box is like the location that they go to and just do like the general task of being a cop they're not really like any specialty and just that dynamic has been really fun there's there's also the the serious tones as well that they have in the situations where they had like a sexual assault victim and dealing with that as a cop and while i do think it was a little like exaggerated i still thought it was cool to see the mix of you know the slice of life of being a cop along with the comedy that this is pretty comedy focused but still like mixing in some of the drama of like the real situations you've been in. like not everything is about jaywalking or expired license or a speeding ticket sometimes you deal with people who are in like serious trouble domestic abuse domestic violence uh sexual assault that's all dealt with in a man in a manner that i really gravitated towards it doesn't have to be this nypd blue style of police drama where everything's super serious and you have iced tea saying these whatever quotes it could just it can be in the situation where japan is commonly shown as a peaceful country where you don't see like homicides and stuff like overdoses and stuff like that that we see in like the united states where cops are like heavily involved with this is more of like the social standing and social commentary of being a cop handling those daily tasks that they deal with Thoroughly enjoy this show. I love it. I think the char- the two main characters have a great chemistry together. Great dynamic Kohai, uh, Kohai-senpai relationship uh, with just the uniqueness of being a cop and set in a tone where I can laugh along with it. Uh, yeah, I- I'm putting this in the considerate category for people who enjoy adult-themed uh, slice-of-life comedies along with like some trigger warnings with some adult-themed cop stuff that they have to go through. And we'll see... It'll be interesting to see if they deal with like drugs, alcohol, um, maybe more like battery, assault, murder, that type of stuff. It'll be interesting if they go that route. I don't think they will, but just because of the prior drama um, scenes we have seen in the show, I think it's possible. But I do think this is, for the most part, a very lighthearted comedy where we're just there to just laugh along with the daily lives of a police officer. That's my recommendation. And last but not least, uh, it aired yesterday. Uh, it's called Ryman's Club slash Gentleman's Club. However, in North America, Gentleman's Club means something a little different than I think it does in Japan because I fr- I have been to a Gentleman's Club before and they were not playing badminton. Um, Ryman's Club is a story about salarymen, corporate, corporate businessmen, who play badminton as like a as like a status symbol in their business? It seemed like so. The main character. This isn't a spoiler, um, just because like it's, it's kind of like the whole setting of it. The main character is fired from his job because he's not good at badminton anymore, and it's kind of like his redemption story of getting good at badminton. If this sounds silly, it absolutely is silly. However. It's badminton. We've had some good badminton before. I thought um, the girls' badminton story from like two years ago, uh, Connie Honeybado, 
was really well done in terms of the actual badminton aspect where the story was kind of outlandish this kind of getting similar vibes where the story is kind of outlandish it's silly i don't think it's supposed to make sense but like fuck it like who cares it's hot boys playing badminton and the first uh actual badminton match episode one was really well done i thoroughly enjoyed the action that they presented the music that went along with it the op and ed are fantastic in this um i have a feeling that this is gonna have like a really good soundtrack with um the action of badminton hoping to get some like haiku vibes where we just have like battle of concepts playing during season three something like that would be fantastic with um the badminton scenes that we've gotten so far so uh that's rodman's club it's only one episode so it's really hard to say whether this show is good or not but so far from my previous anime watchings and what i can base it off of seems like they're doing a really good job my only concern is i don't want this to be where they blow the budget in the first episode that hook people and then have the rest of the episodes where they have action scenes be cut significantly uh god of high school um something along the lines of that where i'm hoping that they can continue this level of production throughout the entire show and we're going to get a really good sports anime with adults which I don't remember the last time I watched a sports anime with adults. Like, Baby Steps was in college. Maybe something along those lines. It's very rare that we get adult-themed sports anime. And we got one. So I'm crossing my fingers that we get something good. Oh, Run With The Wind was in college, too. But, like, I guess if I watched, like, now that I think about it, like, the boxing animes are all adult-themed. So maybe I need to start thinking outside the box in terms of what's a sport. But... I think for what we normally see, you know, it's the high school style of tournaments that we see all the time. And this is just a little unique. Like, your social status of your work is based on how well you do in badminton. So, although it's interesting, if you're a sports anime fan, I'd say check it out just because of the uniqueness of the, the show that it is. Woo! Talk for like uh, 52 minutes. So, that's all. Wrap it up. If you made it this far, thank you so much. Uh, normally I have a co-host, but, uh, you know, scheduling when you're an adult, sometimes you can't make every episode. So I just want to say thank you to everybody who made this far. If you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is like, comment, subscribe, follow, leave a review uh, on whatever platform you're listening on. If you're listening to us on audio and you want to see what I look like, we have a YouTube. If you're listening to us on YouTube and you don't want to see my face anymore, we have audio only as well on stuff like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found, you can find this podcast. Next week, we have our two, our second annual two-core show for Watch Club. We will be watching Guilty Crown and discussing and reviewing that. Following that, in two weeks, we have the Anime of the Year episode. It is my favorite episode of the year. Um, we got a lot of good voting. We had 21 different uh, anime of the year responses so that shows the variety of people of what they thought were the best anime of 2021 so i'm really looking forward to sharing the results to everybody and also giving my take on the year that was 2021 and i'm looking forward to 2022 with what we have right now in winter so i just want to say thanks again and we'll see you next time